Welcome to Corwin's Leaders Coaching Leaders Podcast with host Peter DeWitt. This podcast is from education leaders for education leaders. Every week, Peter and our guests get together to share ideas, put research into practice, and ensure every student is learning, not by chance, but by design. Hey, Peter. Hey, hey Tanya. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's always good to see you. Good to see you. I just like automatically smile when you see you. You're just one of those people. <laughs> That's how I feel. Even when I get an email or a text from you, I'm like, oh, it's Tanya. Oh, <laughs> It really I is. feel that way when I get texts yeah. and emails. <laughs> it's genuine leader. It's genuine listeners. It really is. Um, so yes, let's talk a little bit about today's guest. This is another exciting session. Yeah. So Sonia Murray and Gwendolyn Turner. I actually met Sonia in um, in Missouri. I was given a keynote, and she came up after, and she was a burst of energy. And yeah. she said, "I just wrote a book for Corwin," and she handed me a bookmark with her picture on it, and I thought. Wow, I've never thought about doing that before, but it worked. It was fantastic. And I said, I want you on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to hear more. And uh so so yeah, um it's going to be Sonia Murray and Gwendolyn Turner. And it to me it was a fantastic conversation because they talk about this five course framework. And mm-hmm. we'll get more into that about where the five courses came from, but I just uh I really enjoyed this conversation about, um, you know, serving up equity. Yeah, I like the feel of these two um, authors. They were fun to watch, um, good energy going. Uh, what One thing that I think listeners will appreciate, which I appreciate, they're talking about equity. Again, another term that's become very loaded and it's all over the place. And I think they really do a good job at defining what they mean by it. Yeah. And I love how they center um high standards and a, and a desire for excellence from students that even though when we're talking about one thing, many people don't mean to parse it out and silo it, but it's very easy for things to become siloed when you get focused about talking with one term. Right. So then we seem to be in this place where we have to remind everyone and ourselves that it's not one or the other, that we're bringing all of these things together holistically. Um and I think they do a nice job of trying to just um, make sure that these concepts stay as rich as they were conceived of. So I was excited about um, just the way that they speak on the topic. Yeah, that you know, equity is one of those words that needs clarity because I yeah. think you know, there's there's the political side, there's the pushback, but there's also the just the common understanding of what yeah. is what do you mean when you're when you're talking about equity? And I'll tell you. Um, for those of us old enough, Tanya, you wouldn't be one of them, but we remember oh, like the commercials with E.F. Hutton. And when E.F. Hutton talks, you listen. And that's <laughs> what, that's what, how Gwendolyn Turner actually came off to me. Like, yeah. as soon as I asked yeah, her yeah. a question, I, yeah. you know, she just, yeah, yeah. the moment to breathe. Yep. And then she. She just talks slowly, and I found myself just kind of leaning in. Leaning and on the in other side, you've got Sonia, who's just a burst of energy, too. So I love the juxtaposition before between the two of them, especially during the conversation. So so listeners, um, I, you know, you're, you're thoroughly going to enjoy the conversation, especially when they start talk about, talking about the reasoning behind calling it the five-course framework. I really loved what they did with that. So enjoy yeah, analogies. That analogy was fun. Listeners, enjoy, and we will see you on the other side. 
Sonny Murray and Gwen Turner, welcome to the Leaders Coaching Leaders podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's such a great energy. Uh, you know, people will typically just listen to the podcast, but it's going to be, it's offered on YouTube as well. So hopefully they'll be able to click over and see the video too, because you both have great energy to be able to talk about. But, you know, I wanted to talk to you because, Tanya, we saw each other in Missouri. We did. Right in St. Louis about a month ago, which yeah. was fantastic. And uh, you came running up to me and, and we had a really great conversation. And I thought you both would be such a great guest. Um, you also gave me a bookmark. <laughs> like not too many. I don't give bookmarks out. Not too many authors have bookmarks. And that was cool because I actually found, you know, I still have it, actually. So, Excellent. <laughs> uh, so that's a that's a good thing to have. But the book is called Serving Educational Equity. A five-course fa- framework for accelerated learning. Yes. Congratulations yes. on the book. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it is a labor of love when you write a book. Yes. Yes, it is. So tell me a little bit. Uh, Sonia, I'll start with you. Tell me a little bit about why you uh, you focused on the whole idea of, I mean, these are pretty specific words, serving educational equity. What? Yes. What got you involved in um, in writing this book? So I've been in education for um, decades. I tell people sometimes I started when I was two years old, right? That's what I say. But uh, I wanted alongside Gwen to build on the work of Linda Darling-Hammond and her research around the science of learning. Mm-hmm. We kept going in and out of schools and seeing that Leaders wanted some support around how to meet the needs of all of their students. Mm-hmm. It was during the time of the disruption in education, and we wanted to really offer, not just in theory, but in practice, some real life application and real-time strategies that they could use to accelerate learning. And so we wanted to return all educators back to what has always worked in schools. And that would be that caring adult who centers students, who deeply affirms them and engages them in those safe, culturally affirming spaces. Mm-hmm. That could be challenging. We recognize that. But we want it truly for leaders, for teachers, everybody who uh, interacts with the student to have real-time strategies that they could use in order to get students to do grade level work, no matter their ability level or grade level. And that's my personal why. It has always been my why um, in every role that, I, that I've had. And I currently uh, support leaders uh, in my role as CEO of, um, of um, Equity Matters. And I also support leaders with the Missouri Leadership Development System through Education Plus. So this has been my passion. And so I kept getting the same uh, requests every time I would go into schools. And I said, well, why don't we put it in a book? Yeah. Put it in a book and then we could support leaders and, and help them to be successful. So that well, was why. That's that's usually how it happens. So that's that's great, actually. <laughs> so Gwen, how did you get involved in, in this work? Mine started a long time ago. And I always tell Sonia, my why started, and I'm going to give my age away now, in the 50s. When we were involved in school and the expectation was excellence, Mm -hmm. there were no excuses. I reminded Sonia, and of course, 
she always laughs at me. And I said, when I was a child in school, one of the things that we were expected to do was to read the newspaper in school because people in the community did not have access to the paper. And our teacher in second grade expected us to take the paper, to read it. And as a part of sharing what had happened in school that day, we had to go back and we had to be the source of information for parents and for others in the community. So as children, we were taught to respect learning. And the expectation wasn't that because you were a small child, you could only do so much. And so Sonia and I came to this work from, she had a passion about working with children. And I had a passion with working with teachers and other leaders to make sure that we never forget that we have to hold the highest expectations for children and they will live up to them. They will live up to them. That is, that's really interesting, especially if you have a juxtaposition to what we're experiencing now in so many yes. states where the thought of having elementary school kids read the newspaper and then bring the information back okay. to their parents. Um, that's a, that's a really controversial thing these days, isn't it? So it's really interesting that 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 was the experience that you had. Um, what an amazing experience, actually. You know, one of the things that you talked about was the whole idea of affirming spaces. So, and Sonia, so could you talk a little bit about um, what you mean by affirming spaces? Because one of the things that I really like to be able to do, whether it's in the work that I do or on this podcast, Sure. is develop a common language and a common understanding. And I think we have a, you know, we often use a common language in education, but we don't always have that common understanding. So when you mention affirming space, what does that look like? What does that mean? Such a great question. Well, to begin, it means that you see students. Mm -hmm. You truly see them and you hear them. And specifically, you see them, I always say, independent of your own preconceived notions. And biases about their abilities. We all bring to the learning space that bias, you know, and sometimes people hear the word bias and they think it's all bad, but we function uh, day in and day out making quick assumptions about situations, about people. And so when I talk about culturally affirming students, it's really thinking about and recognizing that they are bringing their own background and experiences to that learning space to the school and to the classroom. And so as an educator, if I'm going to get them to a high level academically, I cannot create roadblocks intentionally or unintentionally that uh, would not allow them to experience or have access to high, high expectations. Mm. And so we loved uh, Dr. Linda Darling-Hammond's whole idea about the whole child approach mm -hmm. and the science of learning around that, where she talks about the brain always developing as a product of relationships mm -hmm. and experiences. That learning is not just social, it's social, it's emotional, and it's academic. Mm -hmm. So when we say culturally affirm students, we have to recognize that and see them fully. Now, that's challenging yes. because we think about uh, the amount of responsibility everybody has. Principals, teachers, no matter your level, if you're in the education space, you have a lot of responsibility, which is why we created a five-course framework mm 
to help people to make those connections so that we don't see just one part of the of the student. We actually see ways to affirm them completely. That that setting the environment is so important. And it's, you know, it's not just for students either, right? It's for teachers when we're yes. providing when we're providing professional learning, uh, mm-hmm. that whole focus of on um, the experience that they can have. Just mm-hmm. we know, I mean, self-efficacy research shows that. If you're anxious, it diminishes efficacy, and if you're excited, it increases efficacy. Gwen, yes. you were uh, you were shaking your head when Sonia was talking. Could you talk to us a little bit more about what those those five um, the five courses are? Yes, what we tried to do was think in terms of an analogy of what we do when planning meals. And I'm going to give you guys a a big secret here. I'm going to reveal uh, I'm a terrible cook. But (laughs) when we were thinking of an analogy, we thought in terms of meal planning. In our five-course framework, one of the things that we thought about was the importance of meal planning. If I'm going to plan for equity and excellence in education, it doesn't happen by happenstance. I think very carefully about what I am doing. So if I could say the first thing that I do is I not only plan, but I prioritize. How am I going to embrace equity and what is my focus for accelerating learning? And then as with any meal, we think in terms of breaking it down into courses. And if I think in terms of our first course, Sonia and I debated and we said, okay, it should be the soup course. In the soup course, I want to basically view how I am looking at equity and how I would practice those interactions. Sonia talks about relationships. And one of the things that we all know is When a teacher and a student have a good relationship, learning can take place. Mm -hmm. When you've got barriers to that relationship, you are going to have to overcome them. As we moved into looking at how we viewed equity, we moved into our next course. And our next course, again, we are not cooks, but we thought in terms of an appetizer. And it is so important in an educational setting for us to look at two things. I think the data, the data just reveals what has happened, where we are, and possibly where we'll go in the future. And educators have to look at that data. We have to be very, very honest about what it is telling us. We then said, you don't just look at the data, you look at the curriculum. There should be an alignment on that curriculum. If I am looking at courses that I take as an educator or as a leader, I want to move into the importance of what we call the third course. We called it the salad, but this is where I'm getting into student voice and agency. It becomes really, really important at that point. And Sonia and I realized in kind of a a short story here, several years ago, she and I recorded African-American boys talking about what influenced their reading. And it was fascinating, the research that we gathered, that students having an opportunity to share, students having an opportunity to learn from teachers, students having an opportunity to participate. They weren't invisible. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. What they thought and how they felt and how they participated was so critical for the advancement of those boys. So when we looked at voice and agency, we thought this is a good salad. Now, those set up sort of our base. And then we thought in terms of the entree or the main course, if you will. Here, teachers had to get in and leaders into what about the instruction that we deliver? Are we offering instruction for the past, like remediation, Mm -hmm. or are we offering instruction for the future and for the present? We were in so many, I think, places doing the just-in-case teaching instead of, hey, look, I need my students to move ahead. And so when she and I thought in terms of the main course, we thought in terms of the diversity of learners, but the diversity of methods in which students can learn. And we wanted a wealth of learning strategies and techniques, but we wanted the teacher to always remember, you have to scaffold that learning. Mm -hmm. Students need to do that productive struggle, but you have to scaffold, you have to support them. And as we looked at how that entree or that main course would allow us to teach for equity and engagement and acceleration, we thought about one area that teachers, I think in many cases, are not thinking clearly through, and that's how they use the technology. Because in offering the variety of instructional strategies and techniques, we found that many teachers are looking at technology as the source for instruction Mm -hmm. rather than a tool. Mm -hmm. And so we thought in terms of our dessert stage as technology is a tool that enhances learning, but it doesn't take the place of quality instruction. And so when we were thinking in terms of this five course framework of meal planning and first course where we viewed and practiced equity and our second course where we examined and used our data and our third course, the salad for engagement and voice and the main course, if you will, for our access, engagement and acceleration. And finally, our dessert for our use of technology to enhance. We felt that that would allow us to offer actionable steps for educators who wanted to accelerate learning. And we recognize that, you know, People need those resources, leaders particularly. Um, they need to be able to have access to those resources immediately. And so in our book, at the end, we actually have time to dig in tools that they can go and apply those tools right away, uh, no matter their level. And we also wrote it in a phrase where uh, teachers would have access and have their voice as well as leaders. Because we recognize that many times leaders are planning those professional learning opportunities for for teachers. And we really wanted, and this was something that uh, that was was critically important to us, we wanted actionable steps. We wanted to move beyond theory Mm -hmm. to practice because we can talk about, okay, let's provide grade level access. But what does that really look like when students are in my classroom and they're not on level? And so that's why we wanted to uh, definitely in that fifth course, we wanted to provide some actionable steps that they can use and then making the connection to the technology too much um, dessert will make you sick. Yeah. Just like too much exposure to technology could begin to be counterproductive. 
Yeah, and I, I'm glad you said that there was a balance. Now, what people don't know, though, is yeah. when we were first getting on the Zoom together, before Sonia came on, Sonia's Otter Pilot came on, and I looked at Gwen and said, what is that? And then Sonia <laughs> got on and said, it's my AI personal assistant. Yeah. And I thought, tell me more, because it's been a crazy day on my side of things. And uh, I don't have an AI personal assistant. And you said something really important. You said, you know, it's a really good way to model for leaders too what this could look like. So I am here to tell you that when you're talking about using technology as a tool, you are modeling what you're talking about. Because yes. as we speak right now, I had to put Sonia's autopilot on mute because I was a little concerned that Sonia's autopilot was going to start speaking too. <laughs> yes, no. Not never a face, but really clear notes uh, after the meeting. So I think that's no, I think that's great. And and uh, what you're talking about is modeling. So one of the things um, that has come up in the podcast before, and and it's come up in blogs as well, is I think when we use words, people start to kind of pick pick at the words. Right? It happened equity for sure. Yes. yes. You know, equity came out and then there were illustrations and everybody said, yes, this is important. And then all of a sudden it became a thing that, you know, yes. it became a hot button issue. Well, one of the words now is acceleration. Mm -hmm. Acceleration is one of those words. And somebody had recently written that acceleration still carries deficit thinking. Is it... What do you say about that? Like, does acceleration mean that we have deficit thinking because we have to catch them up from what they lost? What does acceleration mean to the both of you when you're talking about this idea of, you know, a five course framework? And now I understand what the courses are, which is great. Um, but for accelerated learning, what does acceleration mean? Yeah. So for us, it means strategically preparing students for success in grade level content. And so there's some associated unlearning that has to happen because there was a time where acceleration meant we uh, propel the gifted students, yes. right? And so for some people, that is a mental model. That's mm -hmm. what they remember. But what we're talking about is that we ready students for new learning opportunities. So we address the past concepts and skills, but always in the purposeful range of learning. And so what that means is if I have this fifth grade student in front of me who is not on grade level, mm -hmm. I recognize where they need support. I don't go back and remediate their learning or give them the content at the level where they're performing. I don't say, hey, you're reading at third grade, so I'm going to give you all third grade content and never expose you to fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Instead, I say, where are those potential places? I'm going to provide you just-in-time learning to say, where are those potential places that I can fill the gaps for you and help you to be successful with current grade-level content? And so that is what the real conversation is about. And we have to go through those courses, or it's best practice to go through those courses, so that we can be purposeful in how we provide that grade-level support. And there's some unlearning with remediation because there was a time where we talked heavily about providing just-in-case learning, remediating, focusing on those isolated skills that were years ago. If they're not on target, give them multiplication facts and catch them up really quickly. And so 
Uh, I think one thing that leaders can do is have real conversation with their teachers and a practice that teachers can do is have real conversations with their students around, I'm so happy you asked that, Peter, the difference between remediation and acceleration Mm -hmm. so that we're clear on what acceleration is so we can take some action around it. And that I I was hoping you were asking us both or just Sonia. No, no, both. Both is great. One of the things that we learned as a part of thinking through this, and I loved what Nikki Newton talked about when she talks about acceleration with math. She says, look, we need to teach the children on their grade level what we need to offer those intervention supports and scaffolding as needed. If you think in terms of any group of students coming in, there are going to be things that they know and things that maybe they've forgotten or they don't know. You have to start with moving them forward. You can't move them forward if you're going backwards. And that is what so much of what we have tried to avoid with the book and helping teachers think in terms of, do you want to move your students to the next level? Or do you want to move your students backwards? And for those teachers who think about it, you say, well, where could I offer my intervention or my scaffolding that would move them so that they could do the activities that we have in front of them right now? That's where I think we can support our teachers and our instructional leaders the most. Not trying to reinvent a wheel behind us, but moving forward. And I appreciate that, Gwen, because I also go back to your, you know, one of the first questions that we talked about when you when you talked about being a second grader and going home to read the newspaper. I think there are things that we can learn from the past and then, you know, ways that we can move forward in the future, too. So, Sonny Murray and Gwen Turner, thank you for being a part of the Leaders Coaching Leaders podcast. The book is called Serving Educational Equity a five-course, and now we know what courses are, a five-course framework for accelerated learning. But thank you for being on the show. Thank you. And have a wonderful (laughs) day. You as well. Thank you. All right, Peter, what did you think? I, uh, I... I enjoyed it. You know, when I when I met Sonia in Missouri and I knew that she was she was going to be a fantastic interview. And and I'm very excited about the book. It's it's always, you know, it's always great when you meet people who write a book and especially it's like their first book that comes out. There's that's that's an exciting thing because books don't are not always easy to write. It's not like you wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to have it finished over the weekend, right? It takes a lot of work. So just the energy that's there, the energy that goes into it. But having the conversation with both Sonia and Gwendolyn, um, they just, they have different styles, which is what we said in the Mm -hmm. the introduction. But I liked when they started talking about why they were calling it, you know, serving equity and then, going through the five courses and for somebody who you know started cooking a lot over the past few months and has gotten into gourmet cooking it was just a really nice um it was a nice way to kind of see how it lays out and i i i enjoyed how they did that but i enjoyed that they were able to define equity for us and and some of those finer details too 
Yeah, uh, continuing on that point, when you asked them to speak about the difference between acceleration and, you know, versus remediation. Mm. And I don't know about you or listeners, but even I can get fatigued at the pace of how terms can change and the spin of it. It's it's a lot. It's a it lot. Um, I, I think it's too much. Yeah. But I think what it does mean is that our work becomes really important in asking people to define what they mean by things more than ever before, because it's so easy for people to put their own take on it. So I do like how they made that distinction between remediation, which I think we widely understand is just as a, as a, as a global practice for a student or a group of students, that that's not the way to go. Um, And that acceleration is really about finding where children are so that you can take them where you want them to go. It's about being so precise in how you scaffold and you do your instruction that you're getting children to that on and above grade level, which is the goal for, you know, for teachers. So I do, I'm glad that you brought that up um, and hopefully you've headed off any concerns about what acceleration might mean. <laughs> because I think of it as a, I think of it as a positive thing if you understand um, how, if you understand the way that um, these authors speak about it, which is a part of their title. So it's important. <laughs> yeah. And part of why I brought it up is because, you know, this is a season where we've had some people talk about, you know, not using the word acceleration. And then we've got people that use the word acceleration. And to me, it's, you know, I think it's fair game if you write a book and you're speaking on it, I, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get these questions from the audience anyway. Um, yeah. So I think it's fair game to be able to talk about, you know, why not to use it or why to use it. And it's just, you know, hearing different philosophies. And then from a listener's standpoint, you just have to move in a way that's going to make you feel comfortable. And, you know, which, which, when you get that definition, is that a definition that you can say, okay, I'm comfortable with that and I can move forward. So, um, yeah, and, you know, I think the whole season, what I, what I think is interesting to, I use the word interesting a lot. I have to stop doing that actually. It happens, um, you know, once you get a word in your head, it hangs no, around okay. for a while. Yeah, like very, not a word besides interesting. It's a human just, thing. There's a whole writer, study. I should have that, you know. There's a I, whole study on this somewhere. I'm sure that our I should have a thesaurus in my mind <laughs> where I'm not using these words, but. Um, I think what is fascinating (laughs) is that when you've got a whole season and you have these different conversations, they play off of each other Um, because you and I are the constant in all of these conversations. So hearing something from one person, then bringing it into a different conversation somewhere else. I like that. Yeah, I I do too. I think it's what paints nuance, creates nuance and a fuller picture. So hopefully this sparks discussion. Um, and people feel, you know, moved to go out and get the book to learn more about it, too. Um, But we're really glad that you're all along for the ride. You continue to be here with us. So we appreciate it, listeners. Yes, thank you. And if you have any feedback or you want to send me a thesaurus, you know, feel free to to do that, too. If you want to give me some more words besides interesting, I'm good with that. But as always, thank you, everyone. Oh, and you're so interesting to talk to. So I love Until we chat again next time, I always love learning with you. Good to see you, Tony. I love learning with you as well. Bye. Bye.